Do you practice some of the basics needed to have a legendary marriage? Our guest today, author, blogger, and marriage pastor, Scott Kadersha, shares about identifying expectations for our relationship, the importance of bringing back basics like generosity, humbleness, and excitement to your marriage, the newlywed mindset, and how to start your own date night bucket list. The Legendary Marriage Podcast starts right now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Howdy there, partners. It's Danielle and Justin, and this is episode 67 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. And each week we're bringing you interviews designed to inspire you to build more intimacy and connection in your marriage by having the conversations that matter. All right. So marriage pastor Scott Kadersha is on the show today. And we're getting back to the basics. He has us walking down memory lane, remembering what it was like in the early years. Yeah, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're going to let me get away with saying howdy, y'all? Yes, I am, because we live in Austin, <laughs> Texas, and why wouldn't I? Oh, um, and our yeah. and our friend Scott on the on the show today. He's from Dallas, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna go with it. Okay, so what do you wish we would have known as newlyweds? Oh, I mean, hands down, the thing for me would be just the importance of understanding your own identity, like who you really are. Yeah. If you don't bring your true self to your marriage, I feel like in the early years, you get a lot caught up in who does he want me to be or who does she want me to be? And you're like trying to make this perfect June and, you know, Ward Cleaver kind of picture. Yeah. A marriage is simply two people. It's 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 not a, a a mystical thing in that respect. You got to know who you are in order to show up there. I think and being able to ask for what you need. I think that's kind of a thing too. But I would say I was a horrible horrible fighter in our first <laughs> years. Yes, you didn't have to agree so quickly. Uh, I mean, no, babe, you were great. <laughs> you were great. I swear, it was awesome. You rocked my world. <laughs> No, I think we've derailed. We're I, less than three minutes into the show and we've derailed. I was always, and I still battle with this a little bit, but defensiveness was always my go-to move in conflict. You? Yes. I never noticed. Um, anyways. Okay. So Scott has a lot to say about those early days of being a newlywed and yeah. the, some of those basics we need to kind of get back to. So let's get into our conversation with Scott Kadersha. All right. So we are joined today on the podcast by Scott Kadersha from Watermark Church out of Dallas. Oh my gosh. Amazing. He has been doing work there for over 10 years. He's got four boys and twin 13 year olds. Is that even is that right, Scott? It is. Yes. Scott is his passion is marriage ministry and families and relationships. And so I'm sure you've just got this thing in the bag, but what is the whole thir- two 13 year old boys thing like? Yeah, it's uh, that's a, <laughs> it's a great question. So it's hard enough, I think having one of them, but then two of them who are polar opposites of one another personality wise and <laughs> temperament wise is is making it really challenging so th- oh my gosh what about the girls thing are they starting to go girl crazy or they, what they are yes uh you know are they allowed to text with them or they allowed to, allowed to hang out with them all kinds of questions like that and they're 
Uh, we are learning along the way. And you know, what's kind of funny is like, we have friends that are, that have kids older than ours. And so we try to learn from them, but this is, we're the only ones sure. we know with, with twins that are going through the same thing at the same time. And so we're kind of learning as we go and honest conversations and just try to build the relationship. But it is, keeps me on my toes for sure, as they say. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, yeah. so Scott is not only a ministry leader for the marriage program at Watermark out of Dallas, but he's also a blogger, an author, and an avid reader. I understand I that you are like reading a book all the time. What's your, what's your book that you're loving lately, Scott? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, I, I've got a couple of them actually right next to me right now. I just started reading Essentialism by Greg McEwen, mm-hmm. uh, what I've heard a lot of people talk about. So I just started that one. Uh, the pastor at Watermark, our lead pastor, Todd Wagner, just wrote a book called Come and See. That's just awesome. It's about the church and what the church really should be and could be. And then I'm always reading a, you know, a marriage book at some point or another. It's like I've always got one. I read one after another. And I just started uh, Ben Stewart's book, uh, Single Dating, Engaged, Married, that I really liked, highly recommend. Uh, just talking about, you know, see, he's a guy from, uh, was it A&M, Breakaway, and now just went over to plant a church in D.C. And so really enjoying his book. Wow. You know what? This is so cool because Scott is on the show today and he is talking about those the engaged couples or newly married couples, or they've just said, I do. And you know what? You are actually the first guest on our show that's talking about those super young married yeah. couples. So yeah. I am so excited to hear about that. But first of all, I have to, I have to dig in a little bit. Come on. Um, so you and your wife, yeah. Uh, what was the story about uh, y'all as a young, as a young couple? How'd that go? All right. So we met. Uh, this could be a long story. I'll keep it short. We met in Atlanta in 1997, and so I'm, I'm a physical therapist in my my former days. And Kristen is a physical therapist as well. Now she was. She's a couple years older than me. She's working full time at a hospital, and she was actually one of my teachers. And so I show Stop. up for yeah, oh, show up for a rotation, and, and you uh, wanted some extra credit, huh? Is that yeah, how it goes? Yeah, and she's like, Scott, if you don't date me, I'm gonna fail you. And whoa, and, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa! I love it. Yeah, that was it. Was actually the exact opposite of that. She uh, <laughs> t- total love at first sight for me, and it took her a long time to get with it. Yeah. And so we, uh, we we became really good friends, uh, both like brand new Christians at the time, and so started hanging out together, going to church together. I finish up school, come and work at the hospital where she works. And But did she give you a good grade? That's what I want to know. Well, did she, did. she did. I was a pretty good student. <laughs> yeah, I passed. I passed. Yeah. She's all, it was just, I was kind of blown away by her, you know, and I'm 20, 25 at the time. She's 27, 28 and just tall, beautiful. Absolutely. She's like this confident not cocky everyone looks up to her and i was really like i mean it really was not love at first sight but just instant attraction and uh we we started dating it was unhealthy broke up both got really serious about our faith and then got back together again and totally different story so we got married in 2001 we got this kind of a a cool tough story we got married the week of 9 11 so that was tuesday and then we got married that saturday Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, and then it's been perfect wedded bliss since then, right? You got Yeah, end of story. Take yeah. it, end of the podcast. Right. next week yeah. on the podcast, we'll be having... 
Wow, Scott, that's such a similar story to Justin and I. Like, yeah. I feel like the whole on again, off again, yeah. you know, Justin had love at first sight for me. It took me a while to come around. Yeah. We got married a couple weeks after 9-11. Well, Did you really? November, yeah. November yeah, 17th. It was, yeah, it was the first time with the like you know, the new security measures and people didn't really know what they were doing. And, you know, we brought accidentally brought uh, Swiss army knives with us and all this other stuff. And we we went right through security and no problem. We had all this stuff on us. We weren't supposed to have. And then we were, we looked back at our stuff and we're like, Oh my gosh, we better take it back. We're going to get like body cavity something. We better go give it. So we just gave all our stuff back to the security people yeah. who we just looked at us trouble. like we were crazy. Oh, They're yeah. like, you're already through security. What are you doing? <laughs> we're like, we don't want to get in trouble. We're, yeah. We just got married. We don't want to go to jail. <laughs> we just want to go on our honeymoon. That's all we want. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, what do you wish you would have known as a newly married that would have helped you out along the journey? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. So I actually was just talking to a, a friend yesterday who, who's probably been married like 15 days. And I actually asked him this question. And his answer was, was really similar to what I would say that, you know, just an initial adjustment of coming together. We didn't, you know, we didn't live together before we got married. And so just meshing our lives and our different personalities, different styles, the way we, we spent a lot of time together, but it wasn't like we had this 24 seven. And so like, I remember one thing in particular that was a real challenge is I would, I, I was used to doing my own thing and not checking in or reporting what I was doing. And I remember Kristen would always ask me like, Hey, where are you going? What are you doing? When are you going to be home? And I'm You're like, none of your business. Yeah. Or like, come on, mom. Like, I'm okay. I'm a big boy. <laughs> how, did, how did that go over? Yeah, that was, that was, oh, I, I highly, that's great marriage advice. Always call your wife, mom. She will love that. Yeah. Uh, no. Wow. You know, so, so new I'm, couples put that in your, put that in your think tank. No, yeah. no calling each other, mom. Let's yes. Never, ever, ever. One. No, never compare her to her mom. Only the good parts of her mom. And uh, so that, you know, that was a big change was like, how do we handle schedules? How do we, the way we like to do things when we get up in the morning, I'm like a real, real early morning. She's becoming more and more of a late person. And, and that's always been a challenge is this different schedules, uh, personalities, temperaments, uh, like I'm the extrovert that wants to go, go, go. She likes to have sanity in our schedule and space. And so all kinds of things like that, just personality and temperament driven. You know what? I find that there can be a lot of room for judgment in those places too, where there's those big differences. Like you said, she likes to sleep in and you like to get an early start on the day. Like, I feel like there can be a lot of judgments there of, geez, can't you just stay in bed and snuggle with me? Like, am I, you have to just run away from me or, you know, you're like, geez, you lazy slob. Why don't you get out of bed before eight in the morning? You know, I did not say that this morning. But I thought it. But he thought. <laughs> no Thanks, judgment. honey. Thanks no for judgment. that brutal honesty. Yeah. So, what do you suggest that new couples do when we're they're faced with all these differences, where they've just been used to doing life on their own, and now they've got this whole other person there to consider? Like, how do they even get started on meshing? Yeah, that's so good. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is is we've got to learn how to understand each other. And so, you know, there's a verse, first Peter three, seven says, husband, live with your wife in an understanding way. 
and uh, you know, there's more to it, but that piece of, you know, of, of learning to, to understand what they're like. And, and I love what, what you said that Danielle, you know, it's, we tend to judge them, but it's just their personality, their wiring. It's not like one way is right or the other way is wrong. And so just learning how to, how to compromise, how to live with each other in an understanding way, communicate, compromise, you give, she gives, instead of just assuming and insisting that you're right. I like what you're saying. Just try to understand. Justin and I are always talking about just be curious. Like if they're like, oh, I I like to sleep in till eight o'clock. You know, what about that? Stuff to do. Right. Yeah. But it's like if you're curious and you're like, (laughs) well, you know, and, and it comes around to like, I just need an hour to myself late at night when all the kids are in bed and you're in bed and I can just pick up the house and listen to some music and read a little book. You know, like maybe there's a reason they need to stay up late or, you know, man, the kids were up last night and we've got two little ones. So I I can count the times in the last month, couple fingers that I haven't been up in the middle of the night doing one thing or the other. It's like, if you're just curious, then I feel like a lot of that stuff is like, Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that's so good. So just the idea, hey, if I don't understand something, I'm going to ask and seek to understand. You know, it's almost, and it really is like, hey, let me deal with my selfishness and my selfish desires and just live with them in an understanding way. And so, uh, you know, there's a, if she's up late doing laundry while I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, there's a reason why she's staying up late. And so, you know, I, a friend of mine made this, I, I heard this rule and and like with four he, boys in the house, I bet you there's a lot of laundry. There's so much laundry. And, uh, <laughs> so I like it never ends with two little girls. I can't even imagine four boys. Yeah, they they, uh, they produce a lot of laundry. And the other thing we're learning is how much food they eat is, you know, we'll just finish dinner and like five minutes later, what's for what's for dinner number two? What's for snack? When do I get dessert? They want to eat breakfast the night before. I mean, they're like eating all They're hobbits. The time. They are like hobbits. Yes. Start, start uh, dinners. <laughs> start filling out the hamburgers with some sawdust or something. Yeah, we're gonna do something. I don't know. It seems so long ago that we were newlyweds. Like it, I don't know how it is for you, Scott, but to me, it feels like a really, really long time ago that we were newlyweds. But that, I was, somehow that sounds offensive to me. <laughs> Uh, what, is it you got something to say like you no you no I'm just saying that <laughs> a question that we ask a lot of our couples is you know because a lot of our couples kind of get into the roommate zone where yeah. it's just like you're doing logistics you're talking about the kids the chores yeah. the you know all that kind of stuff and they try to remember why they got married in the first place yeah and yeah. a lot of people are stumped by that question like why did you get married? Why do you think that most couples choose to get married? It's really interesting. We're in a, an interesting season of history. I don't know what, you know, what the future will look like, but you know, couples are getting married later and later in life. They, they say the marriage rate is, is going down, you know, and slowly, you know, it's, it's decreasing, but people still want to get married. You know, they, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, one of my, soapbox messages is part of the reason why couples don't want to get married is because they continually hear from married couples how hard marriage is you know so we talk about marriage is hard you're all going to die you're going to have to put your selfish (laughs) desires aside it's you're not you're not like made out for marriage you can't handle it 
And so they hear that. They never hear us talk about how good it is. And so you combine that with the fact that, you know, many couples are, are waiting later and later to get married. They're moving in together. They watch their parents are you know miserable or they see friends that are miserable. And so many of them are saying that we don't want to get married. If we can just move in together, if we can just coexist as friends and then move on to another relationship in the future, we're not going to get married. Yeah. And so we've got to learn, you know, especially, um, especially within the church is just to think rightly and talk rightly about marriage, about how great it is. And yeah. so, I, you know, couples want to get married because I think they're starting to hear that message that, that marriage is a really, really great, fun thing. Yeah. Now, why is it so socially acceptable to say like, Justin and I, one of our pet peeves is like when people use the cliches about marriage, like my old lady or the old Oh lady. gosh. Yeah. You know, all those the kind stupid, of things. The yeah. stupid kind of casual dismissive jokes, the blaming, oh, you know, my wife, she won't yeah. let me get on it. You know, stuff like that that just, oh. Yeah. They always have like a gravelly voice like that, honey. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Sound like they're 90 years there's old. Something, yeah. There's something about this voice that embodies that kind of attitude. That, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, though. Like that's yeah. such a socially acceptable joking and laughing around about how he puts a crimp in my style or, yes. you know, he's annoying or whatever. Why is that the conversation that's acceptable over Man, we love to have so much fun together. Yeah, part of that, it's just been the, it's the way that people think and talk about marriage is that it's not taught, we don't talk about it or think about it in, a, in an honoring way. You know, so again, if I call my wife, the old lady, the old ball and chain, if she says he's just a lame, you, I mean, you know how he is. He's just lazy and boring like all guys. Mm. It just continually perpetuates the, the negative myth about marriage and, it, and it's not honoring or cherishing in any way. When, when I married my wife. I told her that I was going to love her like Christ loved the church. I told her that I was going to put my selfish desires aside. I said I was going to cherish and value and honor her. And anytime I, I don't, anytime I talk about her in a negative way, I'm basically lying because that's not what I said I was going to do. And so we're just so cavalier about the, the words that we use and the way we talk yeah. about our spouse. Yeah, words have power to them. Like if yeah. you're saying that your marriage is basically like a prison, then guess what your marriage is going to be like? A prison. I mean, it's just a it's just going to be what you claim that it is. Yes. <laughs> I'm wondering for newly married couples that do decide to get married, they decide to go against the grain and do the thing that not everybody's doing. What do they think that marriage is going to be or what are they looking forward to? <laughs> so, right, so most guys think marriage is going to be like one big sexual escapade, right? Like we're <laughs> going to do, we're, we're going to have sex in every room of the house, on the chandelier, on the back porch, in the car, and probably like nine or 10 times a day. And then she's not, she's not opposed to sex, but for her, it's a little bit more, Hey, we're going to have conversations all day long. We're going to sit on the couch. We're going to go for long walks every night. We're going to do everything together. We're going to do devotions together. You know, and so not, not every guy thinks that not every woman thinks that I don't like, I hate, in fact, I hate like stereotypes. Yeah. That's generally what we think it is, is like all the guilt-free sex we could have or want. And then all the conversation, I have a new best friend that will always talk to me whenever I want. Yeah. I, you know, I just think about like what, <laughs> first of all, the, 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 the sex thing sounds 
uh, sure, fun and absolutely exhausting. Yes. But you need but, some kind of load bearing chandelier if you're going to do all that. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some special bracing. That you're gonna have well, they, I mean, they, they don't make chandeliers, but there are things that you can get that that oh, you know, like sex same, swings or something. yeah, like swings and things like that. You could like hang that. some like little crystals on it so it could be like a chandelier. You could, you could. Which I don't know where ours went. Swing. We loaned ours to somebody. <laughs> we loaned ours to somebody, but I don't know, remember who. It's been a while. Yeah, that's it's one of those things. I would, I would not recommend sharing that. It's probably somewhere across the country somewhere. Yeah, yeah it's it, yeah. Somebody's anyway. What does it look like to to raise the level of our thinking? To to raise the expectation? To raise the the kind of ideology we have about the nature of what a marriage is? Yeah. So, you know, my, my, probably my favorite author is, is Gary Thomas. You know, he's in Houston, wrote Sacred Marriage, a bunch of other books. He wrote his new book is called Cherish. It came out about a year ago. He talks about the fact that we, in our vows, you know, we say we're going to love and cherish. And he really unpacks what it means to cherish. Mm-hmm. He uses this, this example of, uh, you know, go back to the garden when, when it's Adam and Eve. And it's, you know, it's Adam, Eve, and a bunch of animals. And he looks at her and treats her. She's the only one around, right? There's no one else to distract him. There's no comparison. There's no sports. There's no pornography to compare her to. And he treats her like she is, uh, the, you know, the most valuable person in the world because she is the only person in the world. And, you know, and, and we get so pulled off course by... Yeah, other distractions. Are, you know, my, my phone, this thing, even since I'm sitting here, it keeps going off. You know, there's TV, there's pornography, there's things that can distract us from pursuing one another. But what would it look like if you really said, I'm going to value and cherish my wife because she is my spouse or, or same thing about my husband? What are the lessons that your new couples, I know you, can you tell us real briefly about the, at Watermark Church, y'all have a really special program aimed at married couples. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's any, any couple that's engaged, seriously dating. We do a class to help them get ready for marriage. We break, you know, help break them up if they're not ready to, to make that commitment. And then we do a, we do a Wait, ministry. Wait, did you say you help break them up? Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, so if they are, it's the, we think it's the best investment they can make. If they go through our pre-married ministry and they get to the end of it and realize this isn't the best person for me, this isn't God's best. We're going to break up now before we get engaged or before we get married, before we have a lifetime of misery together, before we get divorced down the road. And so, you know, our breakup rate through our class is probably somewhere around 15 to 20% of the couples that go through. You are blowing my mind right now. So do the couples take that as gospel? They're like, well, the church says we're not a good match. We're going to break up. Yeah, like, how does that conversation go down? That's a great question. So it's, well, it's yes and no. So one, you know, it's a combination of teaching and then we have leaders who facilitate discussion. We never tell them, you know, we don't know what God would have them do. And so we're not going to tell them this is what God says. But if we can lead them to that place to have those conversations and realize this isn't the best, we want them to come to that conclusion on their own, not, not us telling them that that's what they need to do. Yeah. Now, when they come in in the beginning of the class, do you like do you like call them out? You're like, okay, that guy in the corner, uh-uh. no, nope, not her. Yes, yes, yes. There's no, a, in no. The back room, the facilitators have a pool, a spreadsheet on the yes. wall. Like, oh yeah, those those four aren't going to make it. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I used to I used to tell them on the first night of class, I'd be like, "Hey, we just finished a class a few weeks ago, and and you won't believe this, but the breakup rate in the last class was thirty three percent." And they're and like, I, "We're out of here." <laughs> I just let it sit, and I'm silent, and then I go, "Okay, look around you. Look to your right. Look to your left. One of you is gonna." And it's so tense in the room. And then I go, "Ah, oh, I'm just kidding. It's not thirty three percent." But but we do tell them that. Some of them are, are going to break up and, and that's okay. And I, you know, I think they, some of them are afraid to take it because they know that might be the result, but the ones that are really, that really want someone to help them will say, Hey, that's, that's a good thing. That's the best investment. We charge them 80 bucks to, to take the class. And we said, that's the best $80 we've ever spent because it either broke us up or it was an incredible investment into the future. Yeah. You know what? I bet you some couples are, this is maybe isn't the right word, but they're relieved by it because it's, if you're left to your own devices, you just continue and continue and continue. Unless there's some crazy betrayal or something, you're likely to just continue along the path that you're going unless this kind of a situation comes up and it's like, oh, we really aren't a good match. I don't think this is God's best for either one of us. So maybe it's relief. We'll get back to our conversation with Scott Kadersha in just a minute, but we want to take a quick moment to talk to you about an opportunity we don't want you to miss. Community is so essential to our marriages, not only community with other couples, but men with their men folk and women with their women folk. Um, And couples really come together. Why? To support, encourage, and call one another forth. We just learn so much from each other. So join our community on Facebook where we're always talking about the topics from the podcast and so much more. So join our tribe of couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You can find us at legendarymarriage.com slash community. And now back to the second half of our conversation with Scott Kadersha. You know, I, lo- I love watching a-, a good, healthy couple move forward get engaged, get married, have an amazing marriage. But some of my favorite stories over the years, honestly, are those couples who are humble and teachable and open enough that are just like, we tell them, just be open-handed with your relationship. And they get to the other end of that and they they will, they'll finish up the class and it's amazing. They'll actually tell their friends, uh, this was the best thing we ever could have done. It, It hurt to break up and do we wish we were happily married? Of course. But, but I, I love, those are my favorite stories is when couples realize that maybe this prevented a lifetime of misery together. And so they're incredibly grateful for it. Uh, when it comes down to that, do you think that it's more about compatibility or commitment? Man, that's a great question. Probably yes. I don't know if I could say which one, which one more. You know, in some ways, like uh, if you're two two followers of Christ who are both fully committed to following the Lord, they're they're going to make it work. They'll figure it out. But there are certainly some times when you realize, hey, our temperaments, our personalities, our styles are so different. We just argue all the time. We can't seem to get to the end of it. I'm not I'm not excited about being with them. Uh, and so there, that's the compatibility side. The commitment is a huge one. When you and, and we'll remind them, hey, when you are when you're becoming one flesh, when you are becoming husband and wife, you are committing, and you're saying this publicly, you're making this vow that you're committing to be with one another till death do you part. And so if one of you or both of you are not ready for that, it's probably time to hit the pause button or time to eject because you're not really ready to make, to get married. You're not ready for the commitment that lies ahead. Man, I want to, 
uh, you know, fast forward a little bit and go, you know, we've got couples who are, they're in the middle of it. They've gone through the newlyweds to the newlyweds. And now they're, they're somewhere in the middle, like maybe they're on the verge of the crunch years with kids and stuff. What's really the biggest thing, the biggest challenge to couples in that season. And so like, I remember Chris and I are married, uh, two and a half years. She has the twins in, you know, in May of 2004. And so at long story short, we get to the season where we've got these twin babies. One of them is screaming all the time. I mean, he's one of those colicky babies that you can't make happy and you can't settle them down. And so literally for months, all we remember about Drew is screaming, yelling, crying. It didn't matter what you did. Yeah. Stole him. We don't even remember his, like, I don't know how his twin brother made it because he never got our attention. Uh, but Drew cried and screamed all the time. And that, uh, you know, money was tight. Our world was rocked. And I remember Chris and I just got into the, in this argument, no idea what it was about, but we're fighting and arguing. And this is the only time I remember in our marriage where, where our arguing and yelling wasn't just like mad at in general or mad at the world. We were mad at each other in a, and actually personally attacked each other. And so we're yelling, screaming. I'm using all these bad words that, that I would never want to use. And in the end, it, like we get in the middle of the fight, it just keeps escalating. It's all verbal. And then I start banging my hands on the, on the table. And I start yelling, my life is over. My life is over. My life is over. Over and over and over and over about how my life was ruined. You know, and in that in that moment, I didn't go, oh, Scott, you are demonstrating James 4.1. You're selfish. But when I look back now, it didn't matter that my wife's life was was miserable with these babies, that my, my poor little baby boy was so miserable and screaming and we couldn't make him feel better. It became all about me. It was all about how, how my life was over. And I look back, I can give you four billion examples of selfishness since then. But that that was that light bulb moment for me. When I said, you know, the problem is not Kristen. The problem is not my baby. The problem is my selfishness. How do you know when you are not giving yourself grace or you're just beating yourself up versus uh, like, I am violating this relationship by consistently putting myself first over and over and over again. Yeah, it's great. You know, like the, the, the right answer, the Christian answer is just to go, okay, let me look at the example of Christ who sacrificed and was selfless and put others' needs before himself. And I wish I could say that's where I always went. And, and but we're not, people. Yeah, we're people. That's, a, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> right. And, you know, and so that, that's where, um, you know, we get to the other side of that. And I just go, okay, I hope I could be, I know I'm going to mess up, but, you know, God, help me to be humble. You know, help me, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble where I just want to be somebody who, who knows he's going to mess up but will be quick to ask for forgiveness when I do. Yeah, I love, I love that part too. It's like, yeah. you know when you are, like you said, you were you know, banging your fist against the table, yeah. cursing each other out, and, and you're like, hello, this is not what I signed up for. Like, uh, and if you're aware enough to say, listen, I am so sorry. This is yeah. not what I meant to say. I didn't mean to say you were from the pits of hell and I hate you. And <laughs> right. I, 
<laughs> you know, I, I wish we would just had one kid or, you know, whatever it is yeah. that you said, everybody says those awful things once in a while to have that. If you would, uh, to quote Stephen Covey, like begin with the end in mind. If you're thinking, you know what? I want to have that happy family with these sweet little twins and this yeah. hot woman that I've married and, you know, all this <laughs> other stuff. If I'm going to, if I'm going to live up to that picture, I better get on my knees and beg for forgiveness, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, because yes. I am being a giant. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's like the, the whole like communication. We, I know you get, we could talk about communication over and over and over again. And this is like acknowledging this is a really hard season. Okay. Let's just be real. And so we're not, we're not functioning with, with all of our, um, all of our abilities right now. We haven't slept in four months right with this tough kid and you know especially Kristen and money is hard and you know so like even going back to your question initially with with how do I deal with twin boys I'm I just keep telling them like as we go through challenging conversations I'm just saying hey I'm I am not a perfect dad okay I mess up often and, and I'm sorry for when I do but you also need to know I've never had a 13 year old son before and so, like, I, you need, I, I'm going to give you grace, but you need to give me grace as well. And, and so even in those moments when you're, when you blow it with your spouse, I, I, you know, there's so many times when I'm just going to go, when I need to say, hey, and we need to acknowledge with each other, this is tough. I don't know what I'm doing. And I've never been married before. This is the first time I've been married to someone my whole life, you know, and, and even after 16 years there's still things we're walking through that are, that are challenging. And so help us to be humble and, and to show grace to one another. You know, I love the idea. If you kind of flip that thought about, you know, I've never been married for 16 years before or fast forward, like I've never been an empty nester before, or I've never had to deal with, you know, our kids caring for us health wise, or I've never had to deal with going into a retirement home or whatever it is. Like I love, not the idea of going into a retirement home, but the idea of you're ha- learning new things and experiencing new things together, like r- over and over. Cause I feel yeah. like a lot of couples get into the zone of like, it feels like it's the same old thing every day yeah. and um, it's getting boring and I feel stuck and I'm having the same conversations, the same obligatory sex, the same whatever, whatever. It's like everything is the same. And so to be able to learn new things together and have new experiences yeah. together, I feel like that really like bonds your connection a lot when yeah. you're like you and your wife are like, what the heck are we doing with two 13 year old boys that are like hormonal craziness right now. Yeah. Like yes. let's figure this out together because it's you and me against all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's one of my, like one of my um, things I talk about all the time. It's just dating and pursuing each other. You know, and part of like a lot of churches, all they do is they do something for pre-marriage and then they stop helping marriages. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be for the, for the crisis. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. It's like and help you before you marry. Crapper, then we'll come yes. pray for you. Yeah, and there's so much more to it. I, I love like even your tagline, right? One of the things you always say is we want to move you from from roommates 
to soulmates, right? Isn't that, is that what it is exactly? I can't remember the exact yeah. verbiage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to be a roommate with my wife. And so we get so boring and stale and stagnant and stuck in routines. And so we're like, I'll consistently remind couples, uh, you know, of, of dating each other, pursuing each other. And dating doesn't have to, you know, the, the whole idea of dating is when I spend a lot of money, we go somewhere nice and we, you know, and inevitably we just sit there with our phones, you know, out at the dinner table. Wah, and can, wah, wah. Yeah, we could, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could have done that. That at was home a great movie. Yeah. That was a great movie, honey. I'm glad we, yes. and we set a uh, babysitter for four kids. Yeah. That was yeah, awesome. That movie cost a hundred bucks. There is this notion. Um, we want to have fun and adventure and try new things and be growing and pursuing each other. And there is the, the natural rhythms that we get stuck in the, the chores, the, the parenting conundrums, the off to work and then back home and, repeating the kind of groundhog day syndrome and in it somehow i mean i think everything is is trying to the natural drift is toward isolation right um and so we start fantasizing fixating on the kinds of adventure or or attractive things that actually keep pulling us even further apart we escape into entertainment we we raise the risk level. Guys start doing bigger adventures. Like I'm going to go summit Al Capitan and now it's going to be this and that's going to be that. People fixate on, on sexual proclivities and all kinds of stuff there and food and work and everything else. And what do we do to come back to, to have that, that reset button, to come back to marriage is this great adventure this yeah. great place to explore okay well let me give you a couple th- a couple thoughts there so one um and just to help with that routine of day night is dinner and a movie or just a movie and we don't do anything fun we're not adventurous one of the things i did is i asked all the leaders that i that i work with i said what do you do to date your spouse in an intentional way and gathered those all up and it's something they can download. It's on uh, my website. Maybe you can put it in the, in the show notes, but sure. com slash date night. And we put together 124 date night ideas. And Only so 124? I know. Oh, I know. my God. I You're know. such an underachiever. So, if you yeah. added three more, it would be perfect, but. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a terrible guide. You know, there's like a lifetime of stuff to do on that. That's going to be like a bucket list. You just go down and like, man, by the time you hit 120, what is it, 124? Yeah, yeah. 124, shoot, that'll be years down the road. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that. How do I make it like, what happens if somebody does all 124 of these? Then then they can have, you know, I don't know what I would do, but... Send it uh, to the legendary marriage intensive. I have an yeah. adventure with us. Well, yeah. it's like the the steakhouse that you eat the 72 ounce steak, you get the free t-shirt. Yes. If you do all 124, um, we'll send you to the steakhouse. I'll put your picture <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The picture yeah. on the wall. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So one, you know, one part of the reason we put that together is I don't want I don't want couples to just be boring and do the same thing all over again. And so there's indoor, outdoor adventures, challenges. Like here's a great one is Danielle, what what are your initials? D E W. D E W. Okay. So Justin, you would plan a date night that's around, that's centered around the initials D E W. 
you know, you would go to dinner at, you know, Danielle's favorite restaurant. You would, um, oh, I, of course, on the spot, I can't think of it. You're going to do something with eggs. And so I don't know. You're going to. Egg hunt. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to go on an egg hunt. And then you're going to go uh, watch a a game somewhere. Okay. It's like my wife, my wife is KLK. And so, uh, you know, the one I joke about is we go, we'll go eat Krispy Kreme donuts <laughs> and then we'll go walk around the lake, white rock Lake near our house. And then we'll go eat some more Krispy Kreme donuts, you know, or, <laughs> so do, you know, or you pick a color. And so like the color blue, we're going to plan a date night. Everything's got to have something to do with the color blue. Oh, so that's doing, kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, doing things that are totally outrageous and different. And you know what I like? The, you know what I like about that is like, I believe that you can, another way you can come closer together is being creative together, yes, like sure. creating. And so it's like, if the two of you have a challenge, you're being creative, you come up with it together. It's not just like the same old yeah. same. Yeah. Well, great. Scott, so, so great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us and all the wisdom for those uh, young couples. And I feel like we learned a lot too, as I don't know, honey, are we older couples now? I feel like we are. I'm not, I'm not not doing that. I'm not not (laughs) not going there. (laughs) No. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show today, Scott. Thanks. I loved it. You know, as the years go by and we get to know each other better and everything, I think sometimes we just lose track or forget of some of the basics that Scott talked about, like selflessness and being humble, uh, forgiveness, and just having fun together. I second the uh, having fun together. Yes. I I feel like we all get a little too serious in this world. And uh, can we just have a few laughs together, honey? Yes. Yes. Especially after the last five minutes of trying to record this. Let's laugh right now. (laughs) 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 We're having fun. All right. Moving right along. If you're curious about the work that Scott is doing at Watermark Church, we'll include the link in the show notes. And we really want you to hit Scott's website. Grab your copy of the 124 date night ideas and get your next date night planned. Go ahead. Have some fun. Do your own egg hunt. I'm not sure the egg hunt is for me, but one of those 124... We'll hit the mark, I'm sure. Yeah, one will hit the spot. Can't wait to give it a shot. Hey, next week, we're going to be talking with Gabe and Sherry Avila, a legendary couple, and they'll share about how they took the knockdown, drag-out first few years of their marriage and used it to transform their family. They just get brutally honest about how difficult it was to leave and cleave as a young family. Um, so just let's listen into a bit of our conversation with Gabe and Sherry Avila. Home is supposed to be home, even in your heart, even when it's broken, you know, home has a certain defining part of who you are and breaking free of various family curses. Yeah. It felt like we got to go home again. Mm. despite the craziness and everything else that was going on with them, we didn't have to be defined by that. All that and so much more next week on the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You aren't going to want to miss it. As always, we'll be talking about all the hot topics from the podcast and so much more over in our free community on Facebook. So come join the conversation at legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 067. Finally, we want to help more couples have conversations that matter. So if you love the show, please let us know. 
jump over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.